Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Live, uh, my Zoom radio show, uh, broadcasting live to an invited audience uh, and uh, recording on YouTube and the Negotiators podcast. Today, I've got Antonio White with me, the pitch freak from San Francisco, downtown San Francisco, in his studio. Absolute pleasure to have you, Antonio, with us today. And we're looking very much forward to your presentation. But the first thing I want to say is we send our very best wishes to all our friends in Ukraine, because we cannot believe what they're going through at the moment. It's uh, unbelievable. And there's negotiations going on I hope, at the moment, and I hope they are win-win negotiations. Antonio, welcome to uh, Monday Night Live. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Tell us about uh, uh, where you were brought up, how come you've got an Italian first name and an English second name, which I was curious about, and uh, why you call yourself the uh, pitch freak. Now, what's happening here? Have we got a little hiccup on the system? Antonio, can you hear me? Ah. The first words out of your mouth are the most anticipated of anything you'll say during the course of your presentation. That was a sample of initially connecting, hopefully emotionally, because I'm getting it right up here, here so I can get see all of you really clearly. I appreciate all of you. Well, uh, Derek, thank you for bringing me onto the call. Uh, people ask me what the point of a pitch is, why the pitch freak, you mentioned it as well. The pitch freak uh, is meant to be fun. Uh, the pitch freak here, uh, freak in America has a lot of different meanings. And most specifically, uh, it is uh, unusual or a character of some sort. In many cases, it's somebody who has a deep level of knowledge about something, somebody who is a nerd or a geek, somebody who is greatly enthusiastic about a topic or a subject, perhaps even somebody who has a particular set of, uh, as we say with Liam Neeson, a particular set of skills in order to uh, affect a change or a result uh, on something. The answering the question regarding my name, Antonio White, my father's side is, uh, comes from Russia, from Vladivostok. My mother's side uh, is uh, from Puerto Rico uh, and originally from Spain before that. That is how you get Antonio White. That's the simple story. The longer story requires a few points, but that's the simple story. Fantastic. Well, as soon as you come over to London, you'll certainly get a few points. Don't worry about that. No, that's but um, why, why did you write a book called The Pitch Freak and um, your guide to 10 second pitches? Can you really uh, pitch in 10 seconds? Yes, you can pitch in 10 seconds. You can pitch in sooner than 10 seconds here. And, and by the way, I have to thank you in advance because if it wasn't for your export, Mr. David Ogilvy, uh, in his essential book, Ogilvy on Advertising, uh, I would not be the pitch freak today. Uh, David Ogilvy, uh, as you may know here, is the father of, of uh, at least one of the forefathers, if you will, of modern advertising uh, in, in, in the world. Uh, he, he created incredible iconic programs for uh, Hathaway shirts, for IBM, for Rolls-Royce, uh, for Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rican rum, uh, and many, many others. And his uh, agency, Ogilvy & Mather and & Ogilvy, uh, is a well-established, iconic brand going strong to this day. Uh, he was a British intelligence officer. Uh, he retired to uh, Truffaut, France, uh, with a peach-colored castle, which is where I connected with him originally when I was approximately 18 or 19 years old, asking him to be my mentor. 
I, I found out uh, in his book, he had a, a little uh, ad on trying to secure uh, hiring from other agencies. He was trying to, to steal great talent from other agencies. And I saw this little letter that he had in his book and I wrote him a letter to his Peach Castle in, in Tufrel, France. And two months later, and I sent him my best ads and I'm only at 19 at the time, 18, 19 at the time. Two months later, he sent me uh, a, a, a package uh, and I was tremendously excited because as soon as I saw this package from David Ogilvy, I knew, of course, it was a plane ticket to France. Uh, it was uh, accommodations here. Of course, he's agreed to be my mentor uh, and life was about to change uh, in, in a deep and meaningful, profound way. Uh, and just because I took that action, I knew that was going to happen. Um, of course, when I received the letters on a peach part, little peach, uh, apartment, peach, par peach parchment paper, say that three times fast. Uh, and to paraphrase, it said, um, hey kid, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm managing 30,000 plus people from around the globe. Uh, I don't have time to be your mentor. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> and however, if, if I, I may offer you two pieces of advice. Number one, your advertisements, I send up several of my ads, your advertisement, your headlines of your advertisements would prove better if your headline offered the reader a benefit. Your headlines would be better if they offered the reader a benefit. Now, remember, this is, I'm 19 years old, 19, 20 years old. And the second one was to uh, get a job at, at Gallup and, and get involved with surveying. I took that one piece of advice, the first part of the advice, and helped people generate over $1.7 billion worth of sales over the past 30 plus years. That one piece of advice. Your headlines would prove better if they offered the reader a benefit. That's essentially what Close With Your Open is about. It begins with value. What is the value that you're bringing to your discussion? David Ogilvy said that if he had an hour to write a headline, he'd spend 45, an hour to write an ad that had to be effective, he'd spend 45 minutes on the headline and then the rest he'd spend on the rest of the copy. Because if you don't get your headline right, nothing else follows. And, and this, uh, this important book here holds the test of time. Because today, if you bring it to today's perspective, in YouTube, if you click on a video ad for YouTube or a video for YouTube or a, head, a link on YouTube, 20% of the people who click on that link in YouTube will abandon that video, meaning they will leave that video and go to another video within the first 10 seconds. So why is that? We call that abandonment. Uh, and as a result of that, smart creators on YouTube, smart advertisers on YouTube are focusing on front loading the quality of their presentation to increase engagement so people watch the videos. What we, what we discovered during that, during that uh, analysis was that people were not finding the content that they expected once they clicked on the video. They were there, they were interested, they were engaged, they clicked on it, and then they left, still left within 10 seconds. Why is that? Because the video made a promise in the headline. The video made a promise through its thumbnail that I'm going to receive some piece of information, some piece of data or entertainment or what have you, knowledge. And in the first 10 seconds of that video, I didn't see it, so I left. That's a big deal. As a result of that, a couple of things have happened. One is it popped some lights on for me. One is value from Ogilvy, right? One is 10 second abandonment from YouTube. And one is this idea of connecting emotionally and having a, a deep care for your, your customers, right? Which is you know, engagement. 
those things came together to create the 10 second pitch. Now, there's lots of people say, well, you have 30 seconds to say something, you have 10 seconds, you have five seconds, what have you. I haven't seen a systematic process that's plug and play that allows people to fill in the blanks to create this 10 second pitch. I haven't seen anybody offer anything other than uh, cliche, uh, common knowledge concepts here that they, uh, they grab from other people or that's so personalized to them that's not applicable to some other people. So that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book here to lay it out in plain terms. I have exercises, I have uh, context, I make the process simple. It is a thin book because it is meant to be applied. A big challenge that we have in technology companies, especially technology companies throughout the ages here has been technology adoption. And how does technology adoption apply to just education in general? Well, if I give you information and you don't apply it, then what I've given you is useless. All the effort that I put into creating that knowledge is useless if you don't apply it. So it's my job as, uh, as an educator, it's my job as a professional, if I have something that's truly meaningfully valuable to you, to make it as condensed and tight as possible as to not waste your time, as to be respectful for your time. So I look at books, important books, by the way, such as the OED, vital to any library, of course, vital. And we'll talk about this maybe a little bit here. And I say, this is a valuable document. Everything is very tight. Everything's concise. Everything's dense and terse. I think that the value to page ratio needs to be very high. And so if I see large books that have a lot of fluff, a lot of stories, a lot of things that are not really why I'm there to read or to, to participate here, then it's a wasting my time. So the tighter the book, I think, I think you should charge appropriately based upon the tightness of the book, value per page. And so I look at these books and this book here is not a tomb. Ogilvy's book is not a tomb. And yet he's launched industries and hundreds and tens of billions of dollars worth of businesses. Everything he knows is right here. Um, so for me, Pitch Freak is about not taking yourself seriously, having fun through the process. Pitch Freak here is the combination of this, the word pitch, uh, as far as specifically a sales pitch in particular or an introduction pitch, along with freak, meaning fun, unusual, getting attention. And so the word pitch freak itself is one of those words where it's very hard to ignore. Uh, and it is a one word pitch. A name for a company is a pitch. Uh, and, it, and if you create a quality name, it gets people's attention. It gets them thinking. It gets them excited, hopefully, either enthusiastic here or antagonistically, uh, whatever that happens to be, they're going to have feelings about it. And so in my process, I talk about a three-step process, which is get attention essentially from value perspective, from the customer's perspective, connect emotionally, and have a, a friendly invitation or a call to action. Uh, and so the name Pitch Freak itself, you know what I do roughly relating to pitching. You know that it's going to be unusual because of the word freak here, and does it get your attention? So that's the whole point. A great name should get your attention and should give you some idea of both what the company does Well, the answer, Derek. You fr you froze for a minute there, uh, and I uh -oh. my my blood pressure froze for a minute, but you're back, so that's the that's great. Um, okay. You're not a typical American salesperson, as I see it. You know, I had this perception, and maybe some of my UK colleagues did that. You know, you better buy this, or I'll kill you, or whatever the uh, style was. When we talked um, on Saturday night, when we had a long chat on Saturday night, you talked about it's all about service, which didn't sound like uh, my perception of an American salesperson. You're different, or am I wrong? 
this is the whole approach is I have an aversion towards uh, hard pressure, high pressure sales. Uh, I don't think any of us like to be pressured into a sales scenario. I certainly don't like it. Uh, and I would not like to have, you know, play, put that upon other people. And yet in America in particular, we have an approach of sales, which is a series of, of manipulative tactics and overcoming objections. And I call that a sales mindset, which is based purely on a transaction. What do I need to do to say, regardless if I believe it or not, regardless if it's ethical or not, in order to get you to sign on the dotted line? What kind of pressure, social pressure, emotional pressure, uh, psychological pressure do I need to apply? It, the whole concept is based upon pressure. And when you talk about selling high ticket products and services, it's completely the opposite. Uh, the idea is a person who's about to make a very large purchase is likely so savvy that it's unlikely that they're gonna get pressured into something. And as a result, if you go into, for instance, if you go into a very small store uh, and you wanna try on a particular pair of clothing or what have you, it might be difficult to get some service. It might be difficult to find a fitting room, uh, you, what have you, but you end up doing it, All right? If you go to Prada, if you go to, to um, Ferragamo, if you go to, to uh, Yves Saint Laurent and you walk in to purchase a piece of clothing, there's champagne for you. <laughs> there is a beautiful greeting. There's a wonderful environment here. Of course, you're paying, of course, significantly more for that experience, which by the way, is also part, a part of this discussion. It's called margin, right? The challenge here is which position would you want to be in? Do you want to be in the pressure where it's very difficult for you to engage in what you want to do or the one that you could be relaxed and feel comfortable and feel like people actually care about you? My approach here, caring about the person does two things. Then it's more fun when you care about the people that you're working with, regardless if they're customers of yours or not. Having a relationship, building a relationship that is meaningful and brings value to people is, is, is something that's, that's vital for, for me as far as bringing fulfillment. And number two, there's a good business reason to do it. The good business reason to do it is that if you provide great service, Mahan Khalsa calls this sell, selling, uh, giving a sampling of how you sell. You know, your salesmanship is a sample of how you serve. Selling is a sample of how you serve. And if I am already pressuring you and trying to intimidate you and manipulate you in the sales process, imagine if we're engaged in a high uh, challenging situation uh, with a high ticket negotiation, what have you, you know, I'm, I'm not going to turn into the nice guy as soon as it happens. I'm probably gonna double down on all those characteristics, right? And, and Derek, I'm sure you would agree with that. If I am, if I'm a particular way up front, caring, thoughtful, open, engaged, listening, right? I want to help you solve a challenge. Do I have the skill set to do it? I may or I may not. I'll let you know if I can't. I don't want to put you in a direction where I can't be of service. I'll send you to somebody else, particularly. So for the transactional approach, you it's especially for someone who's an introvert. I'm an introvert. Uh, and I've been a shy child growing up. It was artwork and design and being funny uh, that helped me break out of my shell and build friendships. Uh, but I'm very uh, shy by nature. So for you to be able to make a relationship with anybody, 
the idea is bringing them value helps to reduce tension and anxiety in public speaking. It helps to build, reduce tension and anxiety when it comes to engaging in a sales process. It's simply just moving from a transactional sales mindset where I have to close this deal to a service mindset where I'm here to help you. I'm here to offer some support to you if I can. I'm here to serve. How can I be of service to you? Right. It eliminates all of the anxiety. Derek. So how much information do you give them complimentary, remembering Gildini, the law of reciprocity, et cetera, but I think um, you're running a masterclass, aren't you, in, um, in an hour's time, half an hour's time. So we're privileged to have you on. But how much complimentary information do you give them before you, you actually make some money? Well, so this depends upon how your business is set up, of course, right? The challenge here is what I learned, I have several mentors that, that I work with, and I've learned a few different things from, from each one. One more recently, Joel Bauer talks about the idea of, look, you have a certain amount of time to talk to anybody. You can tease what you might be able to bring to those people, or you can just simply give it to them. And here's the challenge. The challenge here is for me, I much prefer just to tell you what I know right away. The difference between my free content and my paid content is just, there's only one real one, two, maybe two things. One is you get more access to templates and, and documentation and uh, additional materials that help make the process a bit easier. But two, you get more direct access to me to ask questions and to get support, right? So whether I'm talking for 30 minutes or an hour or a month, it really doesn't matter. I'm, during that period of time where we're talking, I'm gonna tell you everything I know and I don't hold things back. The challenge here is based upon your knowledge and what you're trying to do, there's only so much I can tell you within that period of time. But I don't believe in teasing. I don't believe in paying for access. I don't believe, you know, or levels of access, I should say, you know, gold, VIP, all these various things. I, I don't really believe in that in, in, in most contexts. Uh, there's no status access. There's simply just time access, which is the thing that we have so very little of. Fantastic. So, so to answer your question here really quickly, yeah. it's I have a formal process in which I offer people more time that is very structured and focused. And that is what I charge people for. Uh, but during conversations like this or promotions or those kind of things, my approach here is not to point to the thing that I'm going to give you. It's to go ahead and give it to you right now. Because everything requires deeper levels of context. You've got 10 seconds. You've got five questions. I can tell you what those things are right now. The challenge here is what do you do with that information? I can, I can give you the roadmap. I can talk to you about the roadmap. But, and you can take this roadmap and work with it. It will put you in a better path. The challenge here is that there's so much nuance and context of 30 years plus of insights and, and approaches that obviously the more time that we can spend together here, the more valuable it is for you. Two questions. Number one is uh, we talked uh, on Saturday about uh, pitching and negotiating being brothers. If you can't pitch, you don't get to the negotiation table. What's your take on that? And secondly, right at the beginning of your book, you said the most powerful pitch in life is the one you sell to yourself. And the first chapter of my book was the first negotiation is with yourself. So we got something in common there. I love it. I love it. Well, to, to the, the last one first uh, is I didn't realize it's, it, this book is almost eight years in development and then uh, a year of very solid focus. And you'd think it, it'd be a lot more pages if that was the case. <laughs> but the idea was to keep it tighter, not to expand upon it. The difficulties in the, the, the editing process here, not adding content. And 
the challenge that I, I saw was for such a long period of time, the things that I was offering are very one-to-one -one focus. I help a client solve a challenge. And when it came time to have my own product, I wasn't sure what I'm going to sell. I have 30 years plus of experience. I have branding, marketing, launching. Uh, I've got I've all every aspect of marketing, communications and branding and, and design and what have you. I have pretty good um, skill set with and experience with. Challenge here is I wasn't sold on any one of those things in particular to, to build a scalable product with. I wasn't sold myself on my own pitch. Can I sell people on how to create a logo the right way? Uh, instead of a, a logo here that gets no attention, a logo that turns into a 20 million company. Would you like to see the chain of events that occurred for me to be able to do that? People, some people would say yes. But for me, it didn't matter because so people have so much such a low value of what a logo is. They don't even understand. They go to 99designs or something like that, and they just put anything on their screen. They don't realize that if you create a deep emotional connection visually here, you can increase your profit margins on your sale. But they don't, many people don't think about that. It requires a great deal of education. For me, I had to come up with a balance. What do I love, to love, love to do? And I would do day and night, nonstop. It never gets old. Pitching. Specific. And then it took me a while to figure out, well, what kind of pitching am I going to do? Am I going to do an extensive pitch, a new business pitch, a investor pitch? What is it? And as I kept narrowing and narrowing and narrowing, the most enjoyment that I receive, the most value that I have see, give to, to others, and the thing that people know me for is this introduction how you open the pitch. And it came with this idea of closing with your open. Because if you don't close people immediately, you have that 10 second window to close people on one thing, which is I'm interested and engaged with you. I like what you have to say. Let me, let me spend a little bit more time thinking about that, right? If you don't do this up front, then you're not gonna get to the close at the end in many cases, right? And so, so the close of your open comes from this concept of the door. You cannot close a door if you don't open it first. Right? And so in my, in my job, my job is to open the door, open the door to opportunities, open the door to possibilities. And then I point to Derek and Derek's job is to slam that door shut as quickly as possible. Fantastic. We have a couple of questions in the uh, chat box, which I'll uh, relay to you now before we move on. What advice do you have for connecting emotionally on a platform like LinkedIn? That's from one of your friends in San Francisco, Janice Litvin. <laughs> Hi, Janice. Great to see you. <laughs> so look, they, there's a few different ways to connect emotionally here. But I'd love to offer you two. The two easy ones to use are joy and relief. And they're also in my book as well. And if you have to choose between the two, I, I would always choose joy. What is a joyful result, a joyful emotional result that you can communicate to your prospective customer or to whoever it is that you're trying to get to take action uh, that is a result of what it is that you do or offer? What is a joyful result of your product being consumed or your service being consumed that other people have shared with you? Right? Or a relief. So joy and relief for both two emotions here. Right. So that's that's an explanation of of how to articulate. Right. But the other thing, too, is simple little things, simple little things just to, you know, get a little bit more intimate. You can get a little closer. Hi, guys. How are you? Good to see you. Oh, look at that handsome devil right there. Look at you. Look at you. Right. Little things that you can do that are very subtle and fun and intimate and create a little bit of a what we call pattern interrupt. Right. And so. On, on my social media channels, often I, I get right into the phone. I have a thing that I come in, it's your pallet pitch freak. Uh, 
Uh, and that's meant to be a pattern interrupt and a joyful pattern interrupt. Who is the silly guy with his face in the camera, right? And I don't mind people uh, 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 having a laugh at my expense. Uh, it's, it makes the process of business far more joyful. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question. I think it does, um, but it's on LinkedIn, so it's in writing, so it's got to be a bit different, hasn't it, I guess? Well, there's two things. You can do video on LinkedIn, too, of course, right? Uh, number one, you can make video on LinkedIn. And number two here, in your writing, you can simply offer a customer testimonial of a joyful customer testimonial. Without Janice Lisman's book, Banish Burnout, right? Uh, how, would I, how would I have realized I am a, a world-class sculptor? Or uh, I probably would have quit my job if I didn't have Janice's book. Or, my, uh, or now I get to have a wonderful vacation. Or I look at, at my job in a completely new way, filled with joy as a result of reading Janice's book. <laughs> work does not have to be a burden anymore. It is a pleasure to go to work every day. Thank you for Janice to help me to understand and reframe and recalibrate what it is that was that I was looking at. I was looking at work from the wrong perspective. Uh, a new perspective that Janice offered me, offered me a joyful way to get to work. I don't dread my commute in the morning anymore as a result of Janice's book. Something, I mean, these are just, you know, just riffing here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope Janice is writing all those down and didn't miss any of them because they were fantastic, actually. I bet she missed them. I'll be selling other recording, Antonio. It'll be very expensive. <laughs> and um, John Lisby, who's an accountant, doesn't believe that the pitch freak can be an introvert. <laughs> it's true it's true it's true uh once somebody approaches me and says hello then it's uh, you know the shyness goes away but me approaching people i feel like i don't want to be a bother to other people i i feel like i don't want to um get in their space or uh, interrupt them in any particular way you know people have their you know minds and their their lives and what have you i hate to be an in, in interruption so and which is Challenging for a salesperson, professional here, not to want to be interrupted, but that's why how I was able to develop my style, right? My, my style is event to interest and engage and get your attention of something that's valuable to you. Or I believe is going to be valuable to you here. So by I, I I don't like interrupting unless I think I can offer you something of value or contribute in some kind of joyful, meaningful way. And. Um... You do these sh video shorts on YouTube about uh, Wall Street words and um, Wall Street words, negotiation words. You said I should be doing that as part of your mentoring of me. Um, Silicon Valley words. How does that work? Right. So a client uh, of mine, Todd Alt, uh, runs an investment fund uh, in the United States, uh, and he was looking for a way to promote himself on social media. And what I was able to do is come up with a, a campaign for him called Wall Street Words. And what he was able to do is we came up with a series of words that are used in Wall Street investment uh, parlance and creating little videos that define the word and give you a little bit of, of a direct context from Todd's 30 plus years of experience in as a Wall Street investor and, and, uh, and, uh, and manager. And so you get additional context from a personal story. And all these presentations of these little definitions happen within a less than one minute period of time. So there are hundreds and hundreds of these words. Each one is about a minute long. And if you go into Google and you type in Wall Street words, you'll see Todd all, all over the place defining different words. And all these words are little nuggets leading you back to doing two things, building Todd as an authority on the topic of Wall Street. Uh, and number two, organically, 
helping him to promote his brand and his company because he's able to plug his company, plug his channel, plug his content within each of these little nuggets of information. And so for me, I'll be doing the same thing. I'll be doing pitch winning words uh, coming at actually next week. We'll be starting with that. Uh, and for you, if you're an authority on a particular topic, you can create your own glossary of terms. You don't have to go to the traditional book that's in your space here. You probably might have a very specific definition of what it means to bring value or what a, a customer is or what an experience means or what a product market fit might happen to be. You can create your own glossary and present those in any number of, of channels that you might have available to you. If you do it in video, it's a very easy way practical way that does two things. Number one, it you authority here and it helps you organically when people are searching for terms in your space, they find these words. Google really loves it when people do one thing, consume your entire video. We can go into this tactic all day. I could spend three, three weeks just on this one tactic, but the short version of this is this. Google, um, YouTube rewards you. Well, first of all, YouTube is the second largest search engine on planet earth after Google. YouTube rewards you not by how many people go to your video. They reward you by how many, how long, how much time people spend on the specific video. It's called an engagement view, the engagement level. So if you have a 10 minute video and people only watch three minutes of it and then leave, versus you have a 60 second video and people watch 100% of it, Google offers that video a higher level of clout. And as a result of that, it may refer that video to other people. So when you're playing YouTube, the YouTube game, there's two things. One is being available when people are searching a topic. That's one thing. But the other thing that is the magic with YouTube is being available when YouTube pushes your content as referral while you're watching other videos. Hey, you watched a video on this topic. YouTube's algorithm says, hey, you might be interested in this topic here and forwards and promotes your video for you at no cost to you, right? So we can spend a whole bunch of time here. I don't know how long, how deep you wanna go on that. Uh oh. Am I losing you? Uh oh, sorry. Derek, on. you're on. You're on. You're on mute. You're on mute. I'll tell you why I was on my mute. My dog was barking downstairs because there was someone at the door. I'm off off mute now. We're nearly out of time, Antonio. So the <laughs> okay. first question is: Will you come back and join us again in a few months' time? Yes, I'd love to. And by the way, the the the, the closing to that story is: We did a launch based upon that start off with that project. It turned into a $100 million fund launch. And Todd Alt's company, Alzheimer Neuro, which he's the chairman, went public this IPO in July, May or June of last year and has a $425 million market cap. Not only can you apply these techniques here to an IPO-bound company, you can apply it to a solopreneur, a coaching business. It doesn't matter. They are 100%, 100% transferable. And do they have to be a YouTube short? And I think that's under 60 seconds, isn't it? It gets a different marketing on YouTube. This, this, this is before YouTube shorts. So I don't I don't have good information for you on the analytics tied to YouTube shorts. Uh, and I have not done any, uh, produced any YouTube shorts at this point. So this was a technique used before YouTube shorts became uh, 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 on, on deck. And I'm not going to create a YouTube short strategy at this point necessarily anyway. I might, if I do shorts like that, it would probably be on, on TikTok and Instagram and, and Facebook. And what's your um, five-day masterclass called? It must have a fabulous pitching, pitch freak name. Share it. It's it the Pitch Freaks five-day winning elevator pitch challenge. 
Uh, and the objective here is in five days, I'm gonna teach you the five questions that you need to ask in order to get a high ticket, high profile investor interested and engaged in your business. And so I cover everything that you need to be able to answer and look at your business in a different way so that you can create a three minute or less pitch with a great 10 second introduction. Fantastic. Antonio, thanks for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, everybody, you can get Antonio's book. Uh, I ordered it and it arrived the next day, which surprised me because I thought I would have to get it sent from the US. So clearly printed in the UK. And can I just ask you to give Antonio uh, the usual round of applause in the Monday night uh, chat way. Antonio, will you stay on just to answer just a couple of questions when I close? Happy to. What a, what a pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for your, for your kind attention. It's wonderful to see everybody. And, and Derek, thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Antonio.